Welcome to Bite the Orange. Through our conversations, we create a roadmap for the future of health with the most impactful leaders in the space. This is your host, Dr. Manny Fumble. Let's make the future of healthcare a reality together. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bite the Orange. And today we have a very special guest who is the founder of Turi Health, and that is Dr. Bindu Kalasan. Welcome to the show, Bindu. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So thank you. So tell us about yourself for those that don't know you. Yeah, so I've been a clinical epidemiologist and a biostatistician for a really long time, for more than 20 years. And you mentioned that you're a cardiothoracic surgeon. So that was my research area, like mainly interventional cardiology. That's where I started doing a lot of clinical trials, a lot of clinical research. And then just as you mentioned, I found out, oh my God, this is, why am I here? And then I really had this existential crisis. <laughs> and while I was doing my PhD, I realized I did a lot of clinical trials. There were nobody who was, who were people of color in clinical trials, like zero. And then I realized, so all the drugs which are being manufactured right now and is on the market, none of them have been tested on people of color and known to be effective. And we don't know their specific side effects, like adverse events for those drugs either. So first when I said that, like people kind of laughed at me. And some of, so sometimes there's do- doctors themselves, clinicians, so like, let's see, how is that possible? But it is possible. And there's a whole lot of things that which went one by one. It just didn't make sense. It's not just something that we can turn around and just say, oh, this is the system and, be, and talk about it in a very judgmental fashion. But we're also part of that system. You're spot on uh, on this. Myself, I think we have similar backgrounds in terms of working in pharma, right? And working in, I think you worked in pharma as well, but you have a very similar mm-hmm. background in clinical research. And I did the same as well. And I realized early on in my career when I first joined pharma that we were doing all these things that I don't think were very effective for how we did it. One, what you just addressed about minorities not, my, and women not being represented in clinical trials to a significant amount, like it's really bad, right? I've seen studies with 10,000 patients, for example, for cardiovascular studies. And then you have yeah. 2% African-Americans and even like 1% women represented in the studies, right? Which is not the real world evidence kind of piece. I think there's a much better way of going about doing this. And so yeah. was that a similar experience that, that you've had? Because I think there's a much better way we can do this. We can. But that's where most of the complexities are. So I, my company is trying to, trying to deal with that problem. I'm not saying we're going to fix the problem because it's a huge problem and it, we need multiple little steps, but towards a common goal and cohesive steps. That's very difficult because right now, what we are trying to do, like the entire world is trying to hack the systems by using technology. Technology alone cannot fix something like this. Because this has been a manufactured problem. <laughs> it's been carefully manufactured problem because FDA comes out, approves the drugs. And regardless of our sex and race, we all get the drug if we fit the indication, right? So why is there not something like, oh, not tested and known to be effective on brown people or black people on women? <laughs> we don't have that, right? So this has been a manufactured manufactured issue. So how do we really get into that? How do we really crack that first shell? It needs a lot of community participation, community efforts, community outreach. It's a, we need a multi-pronged approach. And the problem I'm finding is that you go to VCs for capital, for funding. They're like, 
And let me tell you, and I'm getting blunt here, even the VCs who say they are putting money away for specific for health inequities, it's the same story because they find, oh, these people are doing too much. Yeah, you got to do too much in order to do to actually solve it, not just be talking the talk, but actually doing practitioners. Being a practitioner is a lot more difficult than just being saying things. Oh, we are ha- addressing health equity. I'd like to actually highlight that point that you mentioned. I, in my, during my time in Pharma, I remember one time we had this challenge, right? How do we improve diversity in clinical trials? And I, we had a, a big advisory board that I led, spent a couple hundred thousand dollars getting this thing together, went in, did the, the board, got all the insights. We had a big booklet published on all the findings, right? No one ever read it. I remember bringing it back in and it was like the box was checked. We did it, right? We, we asked the question, but nothing actually changes on the ground level to actually influence what happens, right? So you would think that with technology that you could actually expand these things, bring other people from around the world to actually participate in clinical trials, right? So for example, if I wanted more blacks in studies, there's a whole continent called Africa with a massive population of blacks. <laughs> My family's from Cameroon, for example, and when I look at the maps, right, and you look at where Fama is, they're off the entire sub-Saharan Africa with hundreds of millions of people, right? It's like there's yeah. no research taking place there. There's absolutely nothing taking place in the part of the world. It's like completely grayed out, right? And you think technology, people have phones there today, right? Do you think, what? even with this centralized clinical trials and all these blah, blah, blah we'll talk about, that we'll be reaching out to those communities, but we don't, right? Most digital health companies are based in Boston and San Francisco, even in the U.S., right? Like the whole middle is all blurred out. It's funny. Yes, that is like a much bigger challenge. And also because FDA puts those challenges in place. And number one, we have a lot of medical mistrust towards people don't trust it. I'm being a clinical epidemiologist and doing clinical studies. If someone comes to me to participate in a clinical trial, I'd say no. It's a hard beat, I'd say no, because I don't trust what is presented. I don't trust the system enough so that I will participate in this clinical trial. What do we learn, learn from it? Right. As as consumers, what do, we are consumers. You can't just say, oh, you participate in a clinical trial, just go away. Just we, you participate, we're doing you a favor. No, it's the people who are participants in the trial who are doing them a favor. And you don't pay them enough, number one. You don't treat them. You don't provide them if, with the information that is required for them to make good changes in their lives so that they can go from sickness to health. And it's always about getting that band-aid approach. Let's just put a band-aid on it and then send people packing. And I don't think that, for lack of a better word, non-white people are okay with that. And that... No, I, I, and I agree with you. And it's something that, that that everyone talks about for a very long time, but nothing ever happens about this, right? So it's not... Everyone says this after every research paper comes out and they say, oh, sorry, we didn't have enough literature population. And then they want to do real evidence studies. But with that being said, look, those listening that are not necessarily in a medical field or not experts in it, you have a very unique, solid background. So what is an epidemiologist and what do you guys do? Because I think you have a very unique <laughs> talk on this topic, yeah. right? So you're not just another person just talking about it. You actually have a degree on this. I want to highlight that for you. Yeah, yeah. People didn't know what an epidemiologist is, you know, what we do until COVID came along, right? So now people think, oh, we're people who go behind pandemics and epidemics, but we're more than that. We're methodologists who we figure out how to do the studies correctly so that we can minimize biases. And then we're the ones who come up with, okay, this is how you design a study to answer this specific problem, this specific research question, right? So in the end, we have a lot of say in how and who are the people who go into these trials. But at the 
But the baseline is what the companies want to do because clinical trials are so expensive to enroll one person. Now, in this world where it is largely white, it takes about $6,500 to enroll one person in a clinical trial. And a clinical trial costs anywhere between multiple millions, like from eight to six to six million dollars. And mid around median is around $30 million per trial. That's a lot of money. And also this specific industry is very price insensitive. So we've got to keep a lot of things in mind when we design a trial. It's not just pure science. I have to be honest about it. Unless and until we are all honest about all these things, we're not going to make a change. And within, and people think that all this means, oh, she is just, oh, this is a lot cost us more money. Yes, it will cost you money because also FDA says no more can you come up with a clinical trial and say, oh, here we go, 100% white population when the disease is more prevalent in black population. You can't do that anymore. You have to minimum have a, a representative population, a racially representative sample size to, to start with. Yeah, but Lulu, the question becomes now, just ha- having a small amount of patients from a certain group that don't actually still power the study in the right way. Like, exactly. I, I, correct. What should be represented? We should not be represented as this minority yeah. child to then have this improvement of, oh, at least the last study only had 5%. Now we have 7%. Yes. Yeah. That's not what we're asking for here. We're saying represent people equally. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Drugs. These drugs are not only exactly. sold in one country. You should have yeah. the studies that in a place in the, in the world that we intend to sell the drug. Yeah. And say that. Known to be effective only in white people. Yes. And not, in, not even all white people, because at the same time, we know that exactly. just because the p-value is less than 005 does not mean that it exactly. works in every single person. It's still like that subcategory with exactly. like personalizing things. And I think people saw this during COVID. Some people got the vaccines. Some people still got sick. It does not mean that it's 100% sure Sometimes. for everything or prevents everything, but we still have to go on that personalized way of doing things than it's doing by genomic and everything else with that. With that being said, so Tori Health is your new venture that, that you started, yes. right? So uh, how did the idea come about and uh, what was the problem you're trying to solve here? I don't mention about the problems, but what yeah. was the thing that drove you to say, hey, let's watch Tori Health? So our overall mission was we looked at people and people were all getting sicker and sicker. Where despite all the innovations, we're not getting healthy. We don't, we're not in health. So overall, we wanted to improve the health of people, mainly people of color, because cumulatively, none of the drugs, we know that none of the drugs work for us. Like in my population, you go to India, there is the best kind of business now is to have kidney dialysis centers because there's so many people with diabetes. And they say they're all being treated with medicines tested on white population. We don't have medicines which are tested on Indian population. And it's the same thing all over the world, right? So that health is health in its truest form. That is what our overall mission is. But to start with, we know the main problem is health inequities. So we start with Black women with breast cancer. They're the most marginalized people in the entire world, right? So we start from there. We start where the need is at the maximum. That is where the need is. And then I was thinking well, what we wanted to do was connect Black women with breast cancer to clinical trials directly. And for that, you can't just have a technology. You need people. You need trust. You need to build that. It's a community approach. It is an outreach approach. 
And all this has to be done, which is not what is done right now. Like you're basically turning from the current tradition and you're seeking a new way of So the DCTs, decentralized clinical trials, is where we're going to with this. But we want that to be more focused on people of color because we are the global majority. It should, the drugs should be for the global majority. I love that term, global majority, because a lot of times, if you live in the Western world, a lot of times, people, being a minority in the Western world does not mean you're a minority in the rest of the globe. For example, India has over a billion people. And so calling India a minority population is not necessarily a fair <laughs> classification of what time yeah. people call it an African in, in the same light. So I like them. I like that mission of things going. And I recently actually interviewed a clinician out of Cameroon uh, on the podcast. And he mentioned that even in Cameroon, we didn't even have electronic medical records. We don't have EHR systems, right? Yeah. And so you have a whole part of the globe that's completely like out cut off from data, what you put around data and insights that you could have. Like if you talk about population, you mentioned black women. With breast cancer, for example, I know a lot of black women in Cameroon, for example, that have breast cancer. And I bet you they'll file worse off than those that are in the U.S. Just in yes. access to clinical trials. Why can't yeah. we participate in clinical trials, especially with a decentralized model? It doesn't matter yes. which one. That's the whole idea by a decentralized model. Not going yeah. back to the same sites that we go to before and they're using the same sites to use technology. It's I think yes. the wrong approach, right? The, the back, like you said, exactly. technology, not as bandy. It's a right, grassroots movement, a way of thinking. And then technology yeah. that process, but it's not technology solving the problem. Yeah. So instead of, you hit the nail on the head there. We are site-centric right now. We want to be actually people-centric. We're not even right. going to call it patient-centric. Trials don't have to be this expensive. Number one, we can actually do it for one-sixth of the cost. One-sixth. And which means we, we can improve the sample size a lot more, make sure different sects of the population are included, different races are included, women are included. Right. So in order to do that, we have to bring down the cost of the trials, which means that we will be able to do that in a decentralized fashion. And we start with people rather than the sites where all the money goes into the sites. We start with money going directly to people. And so we share. Do you think that model is broken in terms of how studies are done? Once you design a protocol, then you pass it out to clinical ops teams, then they go out and get a CRO. And still CROs, even though they offer this technology pieces, I think they're from the same old Boys club where the same standard places to go to, right? The same sites to go yes. to, right? And so what do you think? I think number one, that model is not working. But we have a problem as we like to keep on going with the same models which don't work, right? Because there is a reason why these models exist. So these models are not going to be discarded it, by whoever is in charge. What we need to do, at least this is what I understand, we need to step out and just create another model that works. Ignore. And that is what we do. We're just ignoring what is going on. That's been different. And that's the reason why the podcast is called Bite the Orange. And so I call it Bite the Orange because the idea is we know that this doesn't work, but we still go, we keep doing the exact same thing over and over again. But if we're there to bite the orange, everyone's skin is good. Our change is hard. But the outcome yeah. is like the inside of the orange. So that's the whole idea behind it. And so I'm oh. sure anyone listening will understand exactly why I wanted to have been doing the podcast because it's exactly the representation of what we are talking about here. But something else I want to bring up also, I went on your website to do research prior to our call, and I realized you have a very specific approach when you look at things, right? So you look at health and wealth as something that they talk about. You talk about a very unique manner as well about going from sick, from sick care to healthcare, which I think is a current system. And you talk about empowering consumers. And I like to use the word people, not patient driven, because we will all be patients across that journey, right? Not 
no disrespect to anyone that wants to feel like they're patient. It's okay, but all of us can be patient or not be patient. Patient, being a patient is not a permanent state of mind. Or it's not a permanent condition. Uh, yeah, exactly. so we are people first. Yeah. Okay. And you said people get rewarded for their data, right? By contributing yeah. data to the platform. So tell me yeah. how you saw this problem and this unique solution that you're bringing in. And so someone listening, how do they, what should drive them to join behind that tourism? So how many times have we gone in, like each of us have gone in and make money online, right? And we're all seeing lots of shady things going on. But what we want to do is truly democratize health data. So when they join on our platform, first they get registered and it's all available right now. Just register on the platform. And once it's once they're registered, we talk to them person to person, having a proper talk. And we find out what exactly they want to do. But that's also in the form that we give them for registration. So if they tell us, oh, I'm only interested in joining clinical trials, that's fine. We'll connect them to clinical trials. But if they say, we are also interested in doing some additional research studies, we pay them. We pay people. So we're currently building this because we're building it on a blockchain platform where people can have their own data vault. And their health data can be very secure there, secured in that data vault. And the more health data that they provide us based on the questions we ask, we give them money. We pay people. So they can make anywhere between like even more than they, they spend on Netflix a year. We would pay them between 200 to $600 a year. So we also start to work with companies to do research studies. Every time their data is reused, they still get a cut of it. So as of now, what, what has been happening? The third parties take all people's data, do research, they make tons of money. There's several companies doing that. And what we want to do is share profits. Now, so what, so what you're saying is someone can literally come right now on the platform. Can you sign up now? Is That's, that an app in the App Store? Oh. Yeah, right now we're starting it as step-by-step. So okay. you go on our website, sign up, you register. That's, That's freehealth.com, right? Which we'll have, we'll have it in our show notes. Yes, tourhealth.com. And then you just scroll down a little bit. There's a lady who will tell you what exactly we're trying to do. And then sign up. You register. The moment you sign up, we will give you an email. We'll email you. And then we'll set up a time to talk and we'll explain the whole thing, what we're trying to do. And you're given several options. If you're only interested in clinical trials, we need, you know, clinical trials are very delicate game. So if it's each is, it, is, is it any trial or are you saying with, with black with breast cancer in Africa? Is that a specific? We start with black women with cancer. That's kind of but that, Yeah, but that doesn't mean that no other people um, with other diseases can sign up. Okay. It's free to sign up. But yeah. if we want to be perfecting that part because I uh, think need is right there. The need right. is there. And we want to also make sure that Black population has always been used and abused in medical research. We don't want that happening. We want Black women to get what they've given. And I feel that fundamentally, Black women has just really raised all of us. Like, I am here in this country because Black Americans stood up and they did something for the country, for themselves. So we're Everyone, every immigrant is here to make a better situation for, our, for ourselves and our families because of that. So it's time for a whole lot of us to go back. Which is quite impressive. Another interesting part is, so I'm able to compensate the users, but like third party people that get the data from you, they get compensated and then you share that into the community. 
Exactly. Uh, and that's quite incredible. I think that idea of sharing data sets makes it very unique. I think because you go on the website-based model, you can literally open up to anyone in the world who is show up and you can connect them. that. And also, we provide them with specific health data. So people are really wanting to get information. So let's say very specifically, a woman with breast cancer who's undergoing a breast reconstruction, that specific need for that woman and the information that she needs so that she can just deal with the whole process. So that was what we call this health literacy. So wanting to be able to use the information in a way that they can better their lives and also what is happening to them at that moment, right? So we also provide information. So that is where the rest of it, like from healthcare and from sick care to healthcare came up. We want to be able to support them, not just a Band-Aid. We're not their Band-Aid situation. It's about personalized care, personalized healthcare needs. Like how do we support them? How do we provide them the information? So how many people, I know a whole lot of people who go to the doctor and get a diagnosis and they're like flustered. We're at the most vulnerable stage in our lives when they get a diagnosis. Who's there to help them? Who's there to help them and let them know you get a diagnosis of MS? What are the questions you ask? You haven't even heard of MS before this. What can you ask? So being that patient advocate, all that will be included into that platform. But that's a long way. But we are building it up slowly, starting with Black and, and connecting them to the breast cancer trials. I mean, that, that's quite fascinating. And it happens that today when we're recording, it's actually International Women's Day. So happy Women's Day. Which is great. I, so I like the way the, the conversation went. It was a great conversation to have on a day like this. But I also noticed you have a podcast as well, right? Yeah, so I started it and then I got turned off, but I need to go get back and do that because for me, it's mostly about hearing about what people want to talk about. Like it's not, I don't want to hear anymore from people who are the experts. I don't want to hear them. I've heard enough of them. I don't want to hear myself. <laughs> I try, I, no, you're trying to get the conversation going and you have a couple of episodes on your website so anyone can go in and listen to those episodes or probably motivate Bindu to continue recording the podcast episodes right? and all subscribe and, and follow through with it because you want to have those conversations and myself, I got in, in a point where I was not interested in talking to companies based on how much money they raise which is what the conversation is about these days, right? Oh, if you raise yes. $10 million Series A it's me and that everyone talks about those things right? because everything is driven by what the VCs are interested in, not necessarily what the patients are interested in. And so I, so with that being said, what challenges have you faced so far? Oh, we don't get funded. That is our main challenge. And that's okay. We figured out how to get around that. So we will raise our own funding, which also means we don't get to dilute her and we don't get to do whatever the VCs want to want us to do. So we know now how we can raise money, how we can make money to fund what we need to do. And for us, it's mainly about getting Collaborating with people who really thinks like us, who wants the same things that we want, not people looking for a quick fix to make more money. And unfortunately, many of these VCs, and I apologize if I'm angry at these people, even Black VCs, they don't care about this. I'm sorry. It's mostly, I realized talking to them, they're like, ah, do your thing. They're like, oh, it's still, you're doing too many things. It's about health. Health is not about putting an electric car on the... You know what, this, this is actually I just piece, right? A lot of times when you talk to like, the people in general, people always say, all right, you have to narrow down and focus on one thing and one thing, right? And, and they all give me the two-minute summary. 
And I go, no, the problem is that the solution is not this band-aid solution. So I, you have to be someone that's patient to listen to someone, to support them along their journey and believe in the cause. It's, it's not just about, oh, this one solution. What's what one solution you pick? Yes, you could focus on one area, like breast yeah. cancer and black women start your business and then grow up into other things. But that's to be that interest, but it's beyond profits up front as well. So there's investments. Get the question becomes, how do you scale? Talking to people. No, but that's not the point. You have to do the right model first before you go to the next step. And so you cannot support people at that point. How do you expect people to be represented in the service? And don't you think that's a reason why none of the digital, new digital health innovations have really done anything? They've done nothing. Nothing. And I'm sorry. I know people say, oh, those people have created a lot. No, we're actually losing more <laughs> years of life. Our life expectancy has reduced. And there are more people sicker and more people with mental health issues. So what has it done? And to still have the same fragmented system, the traditional fragmented system also creep into digital health, it's really sad. I just want to... I'll take you one step further. We talk about Clinica Charles' representation, that's one piece. We talk Mm. about how many women, first of all, are represented in the venture capital world. Mm. Okay. And so the same issue we discussed with clinical trials is the same diversity issue that's, invest, that's in the same people that invest is the same issues that we find across the entire spectrum. So those, and those are reflected in how we do research and how we do things, right? How many people are represented in, in this world of doing things? So, so I think it's a whole kind of system revamp and we have to call people out. We can't pretend. Yeah. We can't keep pretending and just say, oh, it doesn't happen. I'm just keep talking about things that don't exist. So yeah. if anyone is listening, I think you should definitely jump on board and su- support Vendor on this amazing journey that she has with Tory Health. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Man, it was great having you on the show, Bindu, and I would love to have you again to see how you're progressing. And of course, hopefully we'll have your contact information on there and I expect some of the listeners, please jump on board, sign up, encourage people to sign up, Bindu, and let's push Bindu to get our podcast going and we'll follow it through. Right, Bindu? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We will get to you guys too. We want to be able to interview people and know what people want for their health. That is more important. I think VCs need to really hear that. People don't want what VCs want. I'm sorry. That's the final thing. People don't want what you want to offer. I'm so sorry. It's about about people and patients. Thank you for listening to Bite the Orange. If you want to change healthcare with us, please contact us at info at emmanuelfobu.com or you can visit us at emmanuelfobo.com or bitetheorange.com. If you like this episode and want more information about us, you can also visit us at emmanuelfobo.com. Mm-hmm.